0: We don't meet people by accident. Everyone comes into our lives for a reason. This week, I bumped into a very special young lady, Hannah. And from a three-minute conversation, I knew that it would be great for her to meet our regular guest, Chloe. So we recorded a conversation between Hannah and Chloe.
1: So I am an Isvol. Um I work with... Um, clients who have been a victim of rape or serious sexual assault um, so I was introduced to Hannah and she was able to tell me about the project she's working on and it was just amazing to find someone that is a young black woman that has so much ambition and I feel like we speak the same language mm. um, which is always amazing when you meet someone like that that looks like you and understands um professionalism but also the intersectionalities that black women face as well so that was just beautiful it's made my
0: week 100% like it has been such like an honour and privilege just to meet you and just hear your side of the spectrum and where you come in and this is what you do day in and day out but this is something that I've experienced since I was born and I was explaining earlier that so what I'm setting up the project that I'm working on is a supported living service um, for children and young people aged 16 to 21 who have run away from home. And how I got into that is because I look after my sister, who um, is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And um, that diagnosis is something people don't know a lot about, but is highly prevalent in the black community. Um my sister was diagnosed with schizophrenia when she was about 18. Um, and I was born when when I was born I knew her to have that I was taught to kind of create distance because of the, um, the violence that when you relapse the violence that occurs with it but I was so curious about this other dimension of my sister when I see pictures of her in her youth and how beautiful she was and they'll speak about her personality it created in me this inquisitive nature i must deep down and find out the truth behind my like who my sister really is um in 2018 i switched from studying biomedical science into doing psychology i love science science is a passion for me because i like to deep dive And what science taught me was when you look at something at one level, a disease at one level, you have to go back and take it to a microscopic level and then look at the pathway to it. That's what biomedical science taught me. But I was not prepared to work in a lab for the rest of my career at all. I wanted to work with people. So I decided to do a master's in psychology. In that year, my nephew was born miraculously. My sister, I live with her, I look after her. I didn't find out she was six months preg... I didn't find out she was expecting until she was six months pregnant because of the side effects of her um, medication is morbid obesity. When we found out that she was pregnant, it kick-started something in me that I had to evaluate things like fast because my nephew was coming in three months And the goal for me was how do I prevent this? Because not only does his mother have this diagnosis, but his father also had this diagnosis. I knew from a scientific perspective that he was genetically predisposed to having this illness. So I thought, how can I stand in the gap for my nephew? And in doing so, I did a research project that looked at the prevalence of severe mental illness in black communities. I looked at its um, prevention, and I also looked at how well it's recognised. When I came to the conclusion, I was not satisfied. I didn't find how do you prevent it. So during the lockdown, it gave me a period of slowing down and I was able to evaluate the family dynamics. And I found out that between the ages of 8 and 13, my sister had been sexually abused by a family member. And for 32 years, she hadn't told anyone this secret. For a long time, I was looking at mental health at the end of the spectrum. When really it began 32 years ago. And with that insight, it changed from how can I prevent this for my nephew? To how can I prevent it for every single boy and every single girl? Because it is trauma. Trauma, I learned that the gateway into mental health, the gateway into addiction, the gateway into suicide, the gateway into homelessness is from trauma. And it's often missed by parents. It's often missed by mental health institutions. It's often missed by education. And that means that when we see it, When the person is the age of 18 when we see mental health when the person is the age of 32 we wouldn't put the two and two together but now with this insight the science we can definitely do something to be ahead of the game so that this isn't a crisis given the pandemic and the effect that it's had on everyone's mental health we don't know what the picture looks like in the future but there's something we can do about it today so meeting you and hearing about the work you did has inspired me it's encouraged me to continue to pursue the things that i'm after and i just wanted to hear a bit more about what you do on a day-to-day
1: thank you so much for that hannah i think um our conversation is like really insightful because i loved what you said about um how different services is like a gateway into trauma because it's so true and especially within like um, my role we have to have like a trauma-informed approach Mm -hmm. and I feel like what you speak about and what you're trying to do that will be the the main objective to be trauma-informed yeah and I think also with services they're not always trauma-informed but do people know what trauma-informed is have people been able to like um, I think I've said this before. Like when you think of a school, you think of educators. Yeah. They're here to provide education for children, but then when you're asking them to be trauma informed, that's another specialism. Yes. Um, and I feel like it's, it's the same with um, GPs and other professionals. They're not all going to be trauma informed because that's not necessarily what they're trained to do. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's the issue. Mm-hmm. I think some of the stuff that. Um, we expect of other professionals to be able to identify, they they don't they wouldn't think oh that child's going through trauma. They think like I know you've given examples before about oh it's behavioural issues or it's this or it's it no one would ever think "Mm, maybe they've witnessed domestic abuse or maybe they've been sexually but they won't think of that. Uh And I know it's the worst case scenario but we need to be realistic. Mm. When you look at the stats, it's more than likely one of those things. Oh yeah. Um so I feel like it's really like something to think about um, a lot more than, like I said as well, especially within the black community as well, that trauma-informed... I don't think it exists, me personally, mm. because I find when you disclose or discuss domestic abuse and sexual abuse, it's rejected. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because there's loads of other things going on within our community, but that trauma is not... Appreciated, mm-hmm. um, and I've found within my profession as well that working with various clients, um, the difficulties that they've had to face um, with mental health services, um, with GPs, with the police—they just don't get the how difficult it's been for them for someone to even come forward and say this has happened to me yeah and how difficult it is to have the worst possible thing happen to you and then to tell someone and for someone to question it or not give you the support that you feel that you need i think that's really difficult and i can't begin to imagine how your sister has managed and i'm lucky that she's able she's had you um supporting her for 32 years but it's it, it's worrying. It's worrying to think that this is the next, the next generation, and how what's going to happen um, with them and coming into different services and how they will be treated.
0: One hundred percent, and that motivates me mm-hmm. to study even further. Yeah. Um. Like I said, with my masters, get into. When I got to the to the information, when I got, I didn't get to the core of the information, I think this often happens is that we have the science, we have the research, but we don't have the compassion because we haven't gone through it, so having the lived experience has motivated me to push forward and with that insight and awareness, now I can stand in the gap, not just for my family but for every child that I come across that will always be my driving force and it doesn't matter my entry point you know some people will look at my qualifications and wonder why haven't I started at this end of the spectrum but I know that here Mm -hmm. is it's limited what you can do but if I prevent it for a generation Mm -hmm. we've ended the crisis here so and, I re- and one thing I wanted to touch on about being trauma-informed is even within families there are some things that we miss mm-hmm. just as adults mm-hmm. and it requires us to just take the time and to listen to our children. There are often times where our children are playing on games we have no idea what they're playing on there are often times where there's you know there's things that they're learning we don't have any idea and i feel like the lockdown was able to teach the importance of a family unit where you are up close and personal, looking over what your child is doing and having to have that like real one-to-one with your child to understand their experience. Sometimes a busy schedule, we can often miss these things and coming from communities that are deprived, if your mum is working a job at night shifts so that she can ensure that the bills are met, she might not have that time you know to pick up these things or you might not feel like you can talk to your parent because of they're just there's a lot on them and sometimes trauma parents families that have gone through trauma adults that have gone through trauma themselves can create a breeding ground for to further trauma because they they themselves are not healed mm. there's only so much they can do because they haven't gone through the healing process themselves and that's something that i discovered even in my own family mm. um another thing that we touched on in terms of like in education the lack of representation yes. is something that needs to be highlighted because I myself was um, a victim of sexual assault. I was I think I was in year eight and I was walking home after a detention of course (laughs) and um, a guy in the area had seen me for a while and decided today is the day and he had dragged me in that alleyway and I thought that's it this is what's gonna happen. Um, Luckily It it didn't occur, but I remember the next day I went to a teacher because I felt like she would understand. I didn't go to my mum. I went to a teacher and I said, Miss, this is what happened. Obviously because of safeguarding, she escalated the issue. But because I, I could identify myself in that teacher, I felt free to disclose. And sometimes even if you are not trauma informed, it's just having in that listening ear, yeah. making time for children and actually taking their concerns as a concern mm-hmm. rather than that just children talking. Yeah. These things can like at a basic level can help. What are are some of the things, you know, in terms of having a trauma-informed approach, would you say is necessary?
1: I think, um, like you said, representation, I feel like that's so important. Um, I feel like having um, doctors, Mm -hmm. nurses, psychologists, counsellors, anyone that looks like you can help being trauma-informed, like you said, because you're able to identify with that person. I feel like also being trauma-informed is it's not about I suppose what's wrong with that person it's what happened to that person yeah of course. and I think that cultural I think the cultural element of that as well is so important because I, I suppose for a client that's white and a client that's black they may have gone through a similar trauma, but mm. the cultural element's gonna be different as well. Were they supported by their family? Did they have enough money to get therapy? What oh area yeah. do they live in? Because some areas have free NHS service and some don't. Yeah. So if there's a person that lives in an affluent area and they've been able to have free NHS services because there's a smaller waiting in this, because they mm-hmm. may live in a little village and they've had the financial um, backing to also get private therapy, mm-hmm. they may be in a different person that lives in London where NHS services, the waiting this is two years. Yeah. And they don't have the financial capacity to pay £60 a session for therapy. Yeah. So I think that is also about being trauma informed as well, having representation mm-hmm. that people that look like us are able to help and support people that have been through various traumas. Yeah. However, we are aware that mm. there's not loads of counsellors and psychologists that look like us, mm. um, and doctors and educators as well and yeah. it's sad like living in london and not having as much representation is really sad mm-hmm. and i think for you even you talking about your experience and saying that it was a teacher you didn't it, you was able to identify with her because she looked like you yeah and that was simply it she looked like you it mm-hmm. wasn't because she was lead safeguarding or yeah. anything else like that you've just said because she looked like me and I thought she would be able to understand. Yeah. And you was a child at that point. I was a child. So that says so much. That speaks
0: volumes. Mm-hmm. And 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think making the time to learn. Like, mm-hmm. we're speaking now, and we went through the education system. Yeah. And we have a better understanding of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's literally taking... You know, we can't live in ignorance. And it's just taking that approach to say, actually, this is something I wasn't aware of. Let me find more about this so that if this does come my way, I know what to do. And I feel like there were so many hallmarks in which somebody could have intervened for my sister that it was missed at home, then missed at school, then in the mental health institutions, there was no type of intervention. Like you were saying, um, in terms of like psychotherapy, counselling, they're often not the first thing that is recommended, especially to ethnic minorities, because they often present at crisis point. So they're brought in through the judicial system, usually through the A&E, and they're presenting with signs that is just like, tame them. And they are put on the highest dose of medication, and coming down from that medication, it's you've got to do it in layers, in layers, in layers, and then they're just kept on that to keep them. But really, that is only a blanket over what the problem is. My sister has been on that medication. She's 40 now. She's been on the medication for 32 years. However, we see relapses every one to three years. And that's not uncommon. Yeah. So that means that she gets to a point where she, she is um, violent. Mm. And it's a point in which the whole family is experiencing crisis because we don't know what to do. She goes into this mental health services where there's so much the way they're dealing with her because she's at crisis point is not in the most compassionate loving tender it's not a healing environment it's just the here are the four walls let's see how long until she can kind of stabilize but we're not getting to the root so it's Continuing, it's a cycle, it's a cycle. So, we can't just medicalize these things because the way I see mental health has changed over the years. And now I see things such as depressions are warning signals that something is wrong internally. And it requires us to do the deep dive to find out what the root is so that we can heal the root. Instead of just looking at the tree, we need to get to the root of what it is. And I feel like Taking, yeah, taking the time to learn yeah. that trauma isn't just something that leads to mental illness. Mm. Trauma is not just something that leads to um, homelessness, mm. drug addiction. Yeah. It's not just something that leads to that. Yeah. But trauma has a biological mechanism whether it's sexual abuse or um, parental separation whether it's being raised by a family member that has uh, mental health issues whether it is um, a death in the family all these things produces a biological response a toxic stress response and if most of the time like if you were to go through all the adverse childhood experiences You may fall into one. Mm -hmm. There are people who fall into four, five categories. And the impact that that has on their body, Mm -hmm. in the long term, it has an impact on their health. That you will see that at the age of 40, this person has high blood pressure. Where did it come from? This person has diabetes. It seems common in certain communities, but where did it come from? And when I look at my sister's presentation, she doesn't just battle with her mental health, but she has Um, She's morbidly obese, she had high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. We just go down the list. 10 medication in the morning, 10 medication at night. The effect is so widespread for something that started at 8. To look at where she is now, it breaks my heart entirely because there is a woman behind that, a little girl behind that, who really was so desperate for someone to believe her. And we've missed it. And we have an opportunity, both you, Mm -hmm. me, and everybody, Mm -hmm. anybody. You don't have to have the skills. You don't have to have the education. You don't have to work in mental health services, prisons. You do not have to do anything, Mm -hmm. but you just have to have compassion. It all boils down to compassion where we're not just viewing children as children who don't know any better, but as someone who has life and that what they say matters. And when we treat people like that with compassion, the outcome is way different. Throughout the years that my sister has been alive, I don't feel like she has genuinely felt love. And I think that's missing in services, love, literally. Are we loving on these children or are we just doing a job? Are we loving on the people that we come into contact with or are we just treating them as another statistic? They're not another statistic. They are real people with real life stories. Although it is common, sexual abuse, it happens to one in eight girls, one in four boys. Although it is common, each story is different are we treating it like that and that is another way we can be trauma informed but that requires time Mm. because you've got to sit still Mm. and hear them but people don't have that time Mm. they're not paid enough Mm. and often the services that can stand in the gap Mm -hmm. don't because Mm. of the lack of funding to do so
1: yeah what you said was just wow 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 (laughs) um Going back to what you said before about um, your sister, and it was missed so many times. Do you think that's because of a lack like of lag- education and training? Because um, I know you said before that there was between the ages of eight and thirteen, there was um, behavioural issues, and to us those are oh my god, these are obvious signs. Um, but that's because obviously you've done psychology and the the role that I'm in do you feel like that's because um, staff whether it's in schools or um, counselling services or they're not trained enough to spot the signs of potential sexual abuse?
0: That's a really good question and I think that's true Mm -hmm. but it's often times where you look at children and how they're behaving to be who they are so you'll see a child misbehaving and you'll just say that is a a troubled child that just um you'll give them you give them an identity a label and that's just them rather than why are they behaving like that um, and you would often boil it down to influences such as oh, was their peers, who they're hanging around mm-hmm. with, or they're struggling with their education, so they need specialist services in terms of actually learning mm-hmm. how to read, write, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I guess it is coming down to you don't understand that this is a sign of trauma, yeah. that... The behavioural signs are a symptom of trauma.
1: And do you think, I'm just going, because I suppose with children, the majority of the time that they spend is at school. Yeah. So do you think then, when teachers are training, doing teacher training, that they should do stuff
0: around trauma and recognising the signs of trauma? 100%. (laughs) 100%. Mm. When we're dealing with children, we Mm -hmm. have to... We have to, have to, have to, have mm-hmm. to, have to have a trauma-informed approach mm-hmm. because trauma is not the, the, like, as we've started with sexual abuse, it's mm-hmm. not just sexual abuse. And I, even if we're not, we're not saying that every child coming into school has had a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. an adverse experience, mm-hmm. but because of how life is, mm-hmm. you will face a level of trauma. And if we teach them early that means that as they go through life mm-hmm. they now have the tools to overcome yeah. and that's why when we are dealing with children mm-hmm. we should always push for a trauma-informed approach
1: yeah. i definitely agree with that and i think also like you said not every child that comes in is going to have their first child with trauma but it could happen within their family yeah that could have an impact on them and i think what a sad thing is especially within schools is like schools may have like a family support worker or may have a counsellor but the funding is limited and it's not available for every child yeah where i think if it was available for every child and children knew that if you wanted to talk to someone they're there and they can pop in or they can have regular sessions it's just i think it's opening that door for children to understand that there are people we can speak to when yeah, something yeah. goes wrong and that's okay mm-hmm. rather than get into your mid-30s or 20s And people saying, oh, you should go for therapy. Like, what is therapy? What does that look like?
0: Yeah. You have no idea. 100%. And and another reason that just came to my mind why we need to... Schools, education system, Mm -hmm. need to... Anyone dealing with children needs to be Mm trauma-informed is because we've talked about the behavioural signs Mm -hmm. of trauma. But you may look at misbehaviour, you know, shouting, um... Physically kicking and stuff like that mm-hmm. as a sign. Mm-hmm. However, there are such subtle signs mm-hmm. that you can easily miss, mm-hmm. like the child mm-hmm. who gets their work done perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that came to mind is because um, I am the youngest of three, mm-hmm. um, and my the middle child, mm-hmm. my my elder sister is a high achiever. High achiever. Yeah. And sometimes it's those high achievers that go through the crack because they're doing well. Yes. However, she was using, in her, in her child brain, if I can get everything right, get a good job, get a good degree, get a good job, I can come out of this house. This is my ticket to freedom. So she did everything that she could physically possibly do to get out of this trauma-filled environment that there was a lot of things that she suppressed because when she would look at my sister's situation and look how my mum was handling it she would think that what I'm going through doesn't equate to what my sister was going through so I'm gonna suppress that emotion and I'm gonna put my head down and I'm gonna focus on my books and the outcome of that You know, there are so many high achievers, higher you know, high flyers that have used that as a coping mechanism. But you would have completely missed that this was a a sign. Mm -hmm. You would have missed that if you if you don't have that type of training. There are certain people who can just just because it's not always that the outcome is negative. Mm -hmm. The outcome can, you know, there are overcomers, but there are things that. It does to them internally in terms of their personality, people pleasing, um, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of suppressing of emotions. That you you are raising children who are not bold. They don't speak out how they're feeling. They continue continue they continue a cycle of silence because they feel unworthy. And it is these little little things. You know, there are children who feel like my voice is not worthy to be heard Mm -hmm. um what I do doesn't matter Mm -hmm. I just focus on this lane and that's my ticket out of here so yeah I think education is needed it's not it's not easy to pick up we can talk about the obvious signs but there are even Mm -hmm. subtler signs Mm -hmm. that can often be missed
1: and I think you said a key thing about anyone that's gone through trauma going through trauma I don't feel like it's that's it it's going to end I think it's learning to live with the emotions that come with it and how do you manage those Mm. Um, people get um, coping mechanisms from different places it could be from reading or um, therapy or healing groups there's so many different um, places where people can get that from but I think it's trauma just doesn't go away and I think that it's for us to be able to understand that it doesn't go away and think about how can we deal with it Yeah. and then I suppose teaching other people that it's okay that mm-hmm. you've had a trauma from when you was eight and yeah. you may be in your 40s now mm-hmm. but how, how do you manage that? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? Yeah. And the people around you being yeah. aware of that as well is so mm-hmm. important because there are going to be triggers we can't control the world Yeah. we had a pandemic mm-hmm. no one would have thought that so, someone that has gone through a trauma, having mm. to stay in their house and not be mm. able to do the stuff that they normally do, it's having people around to know, okay, it might be a difficult time for that person. Mm. So, okay, how are we going to cope with that? Like a death. The anniversary yeah. comes every year. Yeah. And people about how does that person get supported? Yeah. So, all of those things, I think it's so, yeah, really important to be able to understand how to work
0: with mm. trauma. Mm-hmm. It's a real
1: journey
0: of yeah, healing. Definitely. Right? Right. Thank you very much for giving us your time and lending us your mind for this brief moment. We hope our views, thoughts and humble opinions have gone some way into helping you make a little sense of the big issues that affect us daily. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.